Section four of Sermons to Children by Sabine Baring Gould. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Sermon four. Idleness. Lent. Romans chapter twelve, verse eleven. Not slothful in business. When God made Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden of Eden that he had planted. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. Everything grew there in the greatest profusion, the grape, the fig, the almond, the nut, the apple, golden wheat and bearded barley and hardy rye. There was no lack of anything, and yet we are told, the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Even in Eden, Adam was not to be idle. Even before he fell, the obligation was laid on him to work. But when he fell, then the earth fell also. It no longer brought forth so luxuriantly as before, and man was forced to till it with the sweat of his brow. Work became hard labor. I would have you take note of the fact that man, when first created, was set to work. When he fell, he had to work harder, but it was not then that the obligation to work was imposed upon him. And on every child of Adam, the same duty is laid, to work. No man, no woman, no child, without going against God's ordinance, can escape the obligation to work. God would have no idlers, no, not even in Eden. No, not in the noblest and stateliest mansions. To work is incumbent on all. To work is hardship to some. It is a duty and a blessing to all. Yes, it is a blessing. Every duty fulfilled brings a blessing with it. Every duty avoided brings a curse. The rich man is bound by God's law to work as much as the poor man. The rich man, who idles his time away, is as discreditable a member of society as the vagabond beggar. Christ came on earth to be our example. Did he idle? From his childhood till his death he was ever at work. He worked in the poor shop of Joseph at Nazareth, sawing, planing. He worked during the three years of his ministry without giving up. Even in the grave his soul did not rest, but went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, there are various ways of working. Some work with their hands, others with their brains. One works in the field, one in the library, one in Parliament, one at the counter, one at the desk, one handles the gun, one the oar, one the trowel, one the spade, one the pick. There are different callings, as there are different administrations, but idleness is no calling, and no man is sent into this world without vocation. The story is told of one of the saints, who in early life was obliged to live in the court of the king of the Franks, an idle life of lounging about amidst hawks and hounds, of feasting and dancing and jesting, and that when he one day saw a poor laborer enter the court, he took and kissed his horny hands, because the blessing of heaven was on them, working hard for the daily bread, and so fulfilling the law of God. But the scientific man, working in the study, and the literary man with his pen, and the politician with his tongue, and the musician with his fingers on the keys, and the painter with his brush, ay, and the draper with his yard measure, and the seamstress with her needle, and servant with her broom, are all fulfilling God's will as much as the laborer at the plow. Of old, in France, every man, the king not excepted, was obliged to learn a trade. 
the law did not allow any man to be without a craft. It supposed every man to be a working member of society, a unit, not a cipher in the commonwealth. So every prince of the blood royal was put to a trade. That poor king, Louis the Sixteenth, who was guillotined by the Republicans, was apprenticed as a watchmaker, and when he was a king he loved to go on mending or making clocks. You know what a good example our young English princes set in that respect. How Prince Albert Victor and Prince George are on board a ship, being trained to be sailors, and working as hard as any ordinary midshipman. Now, although I bid you remember that to work is the law of God from which no one is exempt, yet God does not expect us to be always at work, without rest and recreation. Indeed, he has appointed one day in the week for this object, first indeed to be sanctified to the worship of him, and then for relaxation. When the apostles of our blessed Lord had been very hard at work for some time, he said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. But the object of rest is to enable man to go back to his work with fresh zest and renewed vigor. Doing nothing is a relaxation, not a profession. My children, now in the time of youth you form the habits for life. If you now grow up in idleness, you will idle through life, and saunter out of it without having fulfilled the vocation set you when you entered into it, if you grow up diligent, methodical, loving work, then when you are men or women, you will prove yourselves useful members of society. You will hate idleness, and your busy hands or brains will be employed through life, turning the talents entrusted to you to good account. It is whilst you are children that the direction is given to your lives. I have been on the high tableland, where rises the river Danube, and also a great many other rivers that flow into the Rhine. The land there is one great marsh, very flat and a very slight elevation. The foot or stone will turn, a tiny rill, and make it alter its course so that it runs into the Rhine instead of into the Danube, or the other way. At one place it is said that the snowflakes and raindrops that fall on one side of the roof of a house go to feed the Rhine, and those that fall on the other side of a roof tree run off to the Danube. The drops on one slope are carried away far to the north and west, and are rolled into the German Ocean, while those on the other slope glide away and sweep down further and further south and east, and are swallowed up at last in the Black Sea. Your childish days fall on some such a tableland, and two tendencies are before you, quite opposite. Your days may flow evenly and regularly through the well-cultivated banks of usefulness and orderliness, or may pass through the desolate and marshy flats of idleness and prodigality to the black sea of oblivion. It is now that the direction is given to the current of your life. It is now, whilst you are children, that you determine how your days shall flow. It is now that the future is in your hands, and you can fix what it shall be. Do you know why it is that you are made to practice while so young at the piano? It is because after you are fourteen, your hands, if left untrained, will become too stiff to do the fingering of the keys. This is true to some extent with all your faculties. If you do not exercise them now, after a while the ability to use them will have gone from you. I know a man who dearly, passionately loved music, and was indeed a musical genius. He had not learned the piano as a boy. Well, he began it when he was past twenty. He toiled at it till he was seventy-five, when he died, and yet was never able to play an easy piece correctly. 
he had let slip the years when he might have learned, and could not recall them. You ought indeed to value these years of youth. There are so many things that you can acquire in them, which can only be learned later with great difficulty, if learned at all. This thought should stimulate you to activity, but there is a better thought than that to urge you on, to stir you to shake off idleness. It is that I have already set before you, the thought that God expects of every man that he shall work. I have no doubt you think that a person who is rich does not need to work. No, he need not work for his daily bread, but work at something he must, or he will fall from his vocation. If he has no need to work for himself, so much the more time has he in which to work for others. A great German poet wrote a play called Faust, in which he shows us a man with youth and wealth and talents, spending his time in amusement and pleasures, and finding misery therein. He has tried learning for its own sake, and finds disappointment therein. Then he tries to do good to his fellow men. To work for them, to drain marshes where men sicken with ague and fever, and cut roads for the advance of commerce, and build schools for the instruction of the ignorant, and then he finds that he is perfectly happy. He is happy because he is not idling, but working, and working for the benefit of his fellow men. I know a dear old lady. I have known her for many years. She has a nice income of her own. She need not, and does not work for her livelihood. But neither her brain nor her hand is ever idle. Both are constantly engaged working for others. In a little country parish she worked for the poor, made scrapbooks for the children, knitted, cut out, and made articles of clothing for the needy. She has relations, and it is wonderful how their families have been supplied with useful things, mittens and shawls, and stockings and hoods, worked by those indefatigable hands. The busy mind foresaw what was wanted everywhere, and the nimble fingers worked to supply the want. Nor was the church forgotten. She grew flowers for the vases, she embroidered for the altar, she played the harmonium. The life of this old lady was one incessant round of good works, with the sunshine of God's blessing brightening and hallowing it. I am sure, children, that if you, in these precious years, train yourselves to love work, when you are grown up you will continue to love it, and even if you have not to labor to earn your daily bread, you will not lapse into idleness, but will work for others. And what more blessed than that? That is what our Lord and Master Jesus Christ did. In the days of his ministry he labored, not for himself, but for others. You will be following that most admirable example. You will be doing that which you were sent into the world to do. You will prove yourselves true Christians, and when you depart you will be missed by many who have learned to love you. But you will be received by the working hands of Christ, whilst he says, Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. End of section 4